From the University of Alberta Alumni Association, it's What the Job. I'm Matt Ray. The degree you get might not be immediately traceable to the job you're doing, but when you really think about the skills you're getting, then you really see how how valuable it is to have people from all sorts of different areas who can come it together and collaborate and bring their unique skill sets and you get a much stronger product at the end of the day. On this episode of What the Job, I talk with business strategy analyst Pooja Happy. Pooja works for WSP Canada, where she supports the company's strategic plan in a multitude of ways and leans heavily on her planning, organizational, and people skills. Pooja talks about how her arts degree has helped her down this path, the importance of mentorship, and offers advice about what to do when you feel stuck in your career. What the Job is made possible with the support of our affinity partner, TD Insurance. Did you know that through the TD Insurance Mellish Monarchs program, University of Alberta alumni are entitled to preferred rates on car, home, condo, and renter's insurance? Save even more by bundling your car and home insurance. To learn more about how you can save, please visit tdinsurance.com slash alumni. So what's your name and what's your job? Uh, so my name is Pooja Happy. I'm currently a lead business strategy analyst with WSP Canada. And what do you do as lead business strategy analyst? So this is a question I get a lot, and I'm pretty sure my answer changes every time I'm asked, because it's a little bit of everything. A lot of what I do really is framed around supporting the strategic plan of WSP. Part of that can be tracking our KPIs against our strategic we have a three-year strategic plan so seeing how we're performing from a metrics basis as well as supporting variety of different initiatives within the company itself so that overall we're really just an extra set of hands in my group to, to to support strategy to support the company moving forward we like to say we're always being forward thinking and future ready part of that is is actually you know getting things done so just for people who aren't familiar with the company can you talk a little bit about what they do Of course. So WSP is actually a Canadian firm. Uh, Globally, they're headquarters in Montreal, but they're really focused around providing a whole suite of consulting engineering services in multiple different sectors, transportation and infrastructure, earth and environment, uh, property and buildings. We've got also a really great power and oil and gas group. So it's really that, that full circle engineering consulting services. And how long have you been in the position that you're in now? So the current position I'm in, I've been, well, it depends on when you want to think I officially started. Let's say about a year, but realistically a few months. But I've been with WSP now just about three and a half years. Okay. And so you talked a little bit about how um, you're sort of, is it, is it about like monitoring the strategic plan and the actions that you're taking to make sure that you are making the progress, the company is making the progress that they're making towards the goals in the strategic plan, that sort of thing? Correct. So we have a really, really robust strategic plan. We're currently just finishing our first year in our th- in our current three-year plan. And it covers everything from what you would normally consider for KPIs, like your financial metrics, but also we're really heavily focused in ESG. Uh, so that's your environment 
environmental, your social diversity and inclusion, your governance sort of metrics as well. Everything from making sure that we're hitting our safety targets to making sure that we're performing business in an ethical manner, that we're keeping above, uh, above the standard for inclusion and diversity and making sure that we, we are good stewards of, of the company. And KPIs are key performance key indi- performance indicators. Ah, That's another um, thing I do a lot of talking acronyms. I know. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a little I'm, bit of alphabet soup over here. I live in an acronym world as well, so I was glad I got that one. Um, so how do you how do you do this? How do you um, keep track of uh, of the targets and the goals and where you're at? So I will start off by saying nothing we do. Or- of the world. The thing I do is in silo. It's a lot of coordinating and collaborating with various folks throughout the business, both from what I'm calling our corporate side, from our project services side, like project controls, uh, accounts payable, our billers, our accountants, all the way to the pure technical side from our engineers and our architects and our technologists. Everyone feeds into the strategic plan. I tend to coordinate with various folks throughout the different, I'll call them different groups to consolidate their data, get their stories, get the context that surrounds the data and package it all together in an overarching uh, report. It sounds complicated. It sounds like, you know, there's a lot of different skills that come into play for that sort of thing. Not only analytical, Definitely. obviously, probably having to break down <laughs> things, but real people skills, huh? It is a lot of people skills. I've, throughout my entire career, have been always of the opinion that your business, regardless what you do, is the people. The people are the ones that actually move things forward. In when you're working in a corporate strategy type position, when you're analyzing and trying to tell the story of the status, the progress, the overall picture, a lot of it is is getting information from a variety of people and packaging it up for consumption and understanding that sometimes the story you need to tell your board of directors is different than the story you need to tell your individual sector leader for transportation because their line of sight the areas that they're focusing on are going to be different so in addition to people skills it's taking the context that people need the information you're getting from those people a lot of times i find people think people skills is just you're someone people want to grab a drink after work together that's not just it <laughs> yeah, the most social people in the office. They must have the, exactly. the people skills. <laughs> but I'm curious how you got into this kind of work. And, and is this, you know, you have an arts degree. I understand that. Yes. How Did you think that this would be the kind of work you'd be doing when you were getting your degree? Not even a little bit. <laughs> so I guess if we uh, rewind back a little while, because I'm not that old yet. So I'm not going to go say a little while. Uh, When I first entered university, it was really much a matter of, of course, you're going to university, not so much of a question. And when I entered, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, I was entering in arts because a lot of the programs there interested me, the classes there interested me. And I'll be completely blunt and honest. I wanted some classes with my friends. (laughs) because I was that terrible university student who came in without much of a plan, but just enjoyed learning a bunch of different things. I actually changed my major and my minor about a half dozen times in my first year. A half dozen? I was on a first name basis with the faculty of arts staff, and I'm pretty sure at some point they were concerned about me and my inability to find a path or inability to really know what I wanted to do. And it was a lot of organic change where I'm like, I really like these classes. And in some cases, 
my grades are best in these courses. I remember I ended up uh, graduating with a double major in psychology and sociology, and I ended up switching to first to a sociology minor. After one course I started, I really enjoyed. It was actually a night class of all things, but an intro SOS course that just, I thought it was so interesting. And by the time I finished that class, I'm like, you know what? It's just two more classes to get the major. I'm going to double major in this. What did you What did you start with? Like, were you just general Gosh, arts? Gosh, I think I started as an English major, linguistics minor. Wow. And then all the way over. So you just ran the whole gamut. But you know what? I think because you said like, oh, you didn't know what you wanted to do as if that was like a bad thing. I actually think just wanting to learn a lot of things is kind of what a humanities degree should be about. Exactly. It's breath. It's someone who's interested in exploring a lot of different areas and just likes telling stories, whether they're creative fictional stories like Lord of the Rings or corporate stories like how we're performing against our strategy. Do you feel like storytelling is something you do a lot of now? I feel like that's a huge part of what I do as an analyst because data and numbers are fantastic. Who doesn't love a good spreadsheet? Full disclosure, <laughs> I adore spreadsheets. Excel skills, anyone who wants to be in business, please brush up on them. But I've always been a firm believer. If What's important isn't so much the numbers or the data that you've got, but the story it tells, the decisions it helps you make, the the truth it gives you. Because if think about it this way, if I throw a bunch of even in my school, I remember all of the theoretical learning how to do calculations. I took a lot of statistics courses. The ones I liked the most were actually my social statistics courses, the courses that I was taking through sociology, because we actually use the data to make a decision, to tell a story, to answer a problem. It wasn't so much filling in numbers in an equation and yeah, you got the right answer. That's all nice, but what does it actually do for me or do for someone else? Yeah, it seems like stories are that thing that, you know, that, that connects humans, right? We're all drawn to stories. and uh, Exactly. Yeah. I, I'm fascinated though, like, so you, you know, you had all these shifts around when you were doing your undergrad and from from majors and minors and uh, half a dozen times. Do you find that exists still in your professional life? Are you uh, always on the go for a new thing? You know, we, we did a, a live episode recently and someone coined this as uh, uh, professional ADHD or something, career ADHD. <laughs> like they always wanted to change. So they're always seeking something new. Do you find that too? Or do, or do you think like you were just really just trying to find your path in the humanities? I would say yes and no, and I'll, I'll explain why that is. So I actually spent the first, almost, yeah, pretty much the first decade of my career in project controls within the consulting engineering industry. Uh, but even though I was always uh, doing project controls, moving up the chain in project controls, the projects I work on ran the gamut from a local highway project here in Edmonton, the Northeast Anthony Henday Drive, which was my first big project, all the way to helping support a international program with Amazon doing environmental health assessments. So even though I was quote unquote doing the same job, it was for a variety of different projects. And even then I would stick my fingers into a lot of different pies. Like I ran our health and safety audits, uh, sorry, uh, HSSE, that's the correct acronym now, <laughs> audit. Uh, for one office, I helped run uh, a couple of different uh, initiatives that were more geared towards building best practices. So I always joke with this with my mentor, uh, who's also my current boss, uh, that I don't really, 
it's not that I don't care. I'm not really beholden to do one thing or super passionate about doing one thing. I like doing a bunch of things. As long as it excites me, as, as long as I'm not the dreaded bored, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. And I can easily say, I love the job I'm doing now. I love the job I was doing five years ago. I love the job I was doing when I first started my career because it excited me. I think that was a good take. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking that we should release this one with a glossary to, to define all these acronyms. <laughs> but um, I'm curious about after you graduated, how did you get into this field? It doesn't seem like a straight line from, you know, sociology, psychology into uh, what, what was it? Project management? What? Uh, project controls is project pretty controls. much everything to do with a project that's not technical engineering. How did you? How did people, you yeah. I can't design a bridge, but I can help you run the schedule and budget for it. Okay. Okay. That makes sense then. How did you get into that work? So it kind of was a little bit of like a happy accident. When I graduated, my original plan in my last year of my undergrad was to go into occupational therapy. Like I got a job as an occupational therapy assistant in my last year as an undergrad to help bolster my resume. And then I realized I'm not cut out for healthcare. I can't compartmentalize the way you need to, to be successful in that kind of field, being a front line support worker, huge respect for social workers, nurses. I just, I just realized I would burn out. So when I graduated, I literally went looking for a job with sort of, as long as I fit some of the requirements, I'm applying. So I Googled things like social services jobs. Uh, I was always pretty good with like coordination and event planning because I volunteered ex extensively in those kinds of areas. And I kind of just sort of fell into a job posting that was looking for pretty much anyone with any kind of degree, a basic knowledge of like Microsoft Office products and a little bit of coordination experience. And it uh, it ended up just being they were the first or they were one of the first companies uh, that I got a good job offer for was a, a more of a why not situation seemed like a great opportunity. Never really thought I'd be there long term, much less build an entire career out of it. But I had fantastic support, fantastic opportunities with the people I worked with at in my first job. That it kind of just seemed like a little bit of a serendipity. Can you can you kind of trace your path then? I, I'm kind of curious about how you went from that to where you are now. So I started as a junior project controls with a company called AECOM. It's another international engineering consulting firm. And pretty quickly when I first started there, I got put on the Northeast Anthony Henday project, which was a huge project with tons of opportunities to learn a little bit of a uh, Easter famine, uh, survivor die, thrown to the fire type of experience. But I got to learn so many different things because it was just such a huge project. It had a little bit of everything in it. And because I was in that kind of environment, and luckily I like to think I did a good job, I got a lot of opportunities to work on other projects within AECOM from a project controls perspective, as well as it, it helped it helped me climb the chain a lot faster just because I was doing a bunch of things that different projects might need and not too many people had the experience doing from a project controls perspective. I stayed with AECOM about seven and a half years, uh, started as a junior, ended up leaving AECOM as the area project controls manager for Alberta. I actually left AECOM partially because I got a really great opportunity from WSP in project controls to be a project controls manager for Western Canada. That's actually how I joined WSP. 
And so I did that for a couple of years, built a fantastic team and got to work with some fantastic people. When the opportunity within WSP arose for joining what we call our special projects group, which was really a group created to support support our CEO and our C-suite on things that the company considered important across the board. And one of those key points is, is strategy. I've always enjoyed planning and organizing and digging my fingers into a lot of different things. So I had just by nature of the person that I am, I guess, been involved in other corporate strategy initiatives before. So being able to jump full feet into a career switch, I figured it was such a great opportunity. Why not? I still love project control, still love being part of projects directly, but uh, a little bit of something new and something exciting to try. But it really, really just functioned organically based on doing the job I was doing, being open to different opportunities and, and just talking to people, letting them know that I was always interested in trying or seeing different different pieces and different different scopes of what the overall business was doing. You mentioned that when you were an undergrad, you know, you wouldn't have envisioned that this is the, the <laughs> no. job you'd be doing. But in retrospect, does it make sense? This is actually something really interesting. I do a lot of career mentorship through the U of A, talking to different students uh, through the different programs. And it's something that I always tell them, I never would have thought I'd be doing this if you asked me 10 years ago. But looking back, I wish I knew jobs like this existed. It may have helped me frame my university career in a different manner. Because if I'm looking back, I've always been a little bit of a control freak. I like planning. I like organizing. When I was volunteering, that's one of my favorite things to do is go beyond just a day of event volunteer, but actually help plan the overall what we need for schedules and budgets and coordination. Even, even how I planned my university life may not have known what I wanted to do, but I had a spreadsheet that listed all the courses I needed to take, which ones were prerequisites and uh, post-requisites, what were the alternative options, because I might not know what I want to do, but I knew I wanted to graduate in four years and I, no way was I going to let one course that's only offered in the winter semester screw me over for that. So your skills, you see how the skills that were specific to you exactly. have, have kind of, it's always fascinating me to talk to people who talk about career journeys and how winding they can be and how twisting they can be. But when they look back, it makes sense. It adds up. Exactly. It's, it's something I've always thought was really, really fascinating. And it's one of those things where I think a lot of times we feel like we need to put ourselves into a little bit of a box where you go step A, step B, step C. But these days, particularly, uh, the degree you get might not be immediately traceable to the job you're doing. But when you really think about the skills you're getting, then you really see how how valuable it is to have people from all sorts of different areas who can come it together and collaborate and bring their unique skill sets. And you get a much stronger product at the end of the day. I think that's true, too, for degrees outside of arts. I mean, we often yeah. think that you go to university to get a job, but <laughs> very rarely is it like university degrees aren't often these uh, professional degrees, like maybe you're going to law school or something like that. Yeah. But normally it's, you know, you're building skills, whether you're in science or business or arts or whatever, you know, you're building a bunch of different skills that can be applied to a multitude of jobs. Exactly. When I was in project controls, I had team members with doing the same general job title that had degrees from engineering, from business, from arts, all across 
the spectrum when it comes to majors and minors. And they each came in with their own unique skill sets. And then, of course, on the job, you learn the more job-specific skills. But it was really finding what you bring to the table that can help be that value add that can bring you that one step closer overall in the team for success. You talked about having a mentor, and I know mentorship is something we like to talk about on this podcast a lot. And uh, I was wondering if you could talk about what the value of mentorship is for you. I would say the value of mentorship for me has been absolutely amazing. Uh, my mentor, she's she's someone that I don't think I ever really officially created a mentorship relationship with. She was actually one of my first bosses at AECOM way back when I first started my career and didn't know how to do much of anything, it felt like, but was fantastic about really taking that time to have conversations with me, get me to reframe my mindset about what the possibilities were, as well as how to, what sort of skills to grow into areas that I could look for uh, either formal training or informal training. And one of the things I really appreciated about her was she was also able to have tough conversations with me about things that I could improve on myself with, the whole constructive criticism, which I know uh, is a really tough conversation to have. Being a manager myself, it's never fun, but hugely valuable. She's been someone I greatly admire looking at her career and her growth and being able to have someone to bounce off ideas from, to have frank discussions with. It makes me feel a little bit more like I'm not just doing research in the void. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. How how did you build up this 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 relationship with a mentor? Was it just staying in contact over years, or I think part of it was really just staying in contact uh, throughout the years. I mentioned she had started out as my boss, but uh, about a year and a half, maybe two years after that, she had left the company. But we still remained in contact, uh, sharing interesting stories, asking questions. Uh, we maintained that relationship, I think, today where she's actually currently my boss again. <laughs> oh, yeah, you mentioned that, yeah. So it's something that I think is a really organic relationship, but really stemmed from having common interests and being able to have those professional frank discussions, but also build a relationship beyond just pure work discussions. We'll discuss interesting news stories or things that we thought are just interesting. I found for me when it comes to mentorship, and there are other individuals as well that I think I've built mentorship-esque relationships with, that it really seemed to stem a little bit organically from those initial introductions and discussions to less of a formality, I guess I'll put it that way. I think particularly when you're looking for a mentorship, when you're trying to do an official mentorship relationship, it starts very formal. And it can be hard to break out of that formal to make it more of a conversation, to be more of a professional relationship than a formal meeting. When I do my mentorship through the UFA, it's one of the things uh, I make a point of doing uh, right from the start is to let the person I'm talking to know that I want this to just be a conversation. This isn't an interview. You don't need to feel like you have to be overly professional or you're only allowed to stick to this narrow topic. Uh, I, I find it creates a little bit better of a, of a flow. Only talk about spreadsheets is the one. I mean, I would. Like, <laughs> you know, the National Spreadsheets Championships, I'm one of the people that was watching that before it became popular and like 
trending on Twitter. It's going to be hard to believe, but I do not know the national spreadsheet <sighs> championship. <laughs> what happened? It was heartbreaking. Just, this is a real people, deviation. But... People will literally, it's similar like when you watch video games streamed on Twitch or something. It's a bunch of people who are really, really good at Excel, given problems, and you get to watch real time the ways they solve them. Amazing analytics, crazy formulas nested. You got people that are doing macro coding and all trying to solve the same problem, but the different ways they approach them. Absolutely fascinating. You know, legitimately, I think that would be interesting to watch. It's so cool. (laughs) I'm not even joking. And I'm terrible at numbers and spreadsheets and that sort of thing. But, you know, you talked about volunteering as well. You talked about volunteering to be, how how has volunteering um, helped you in your career journey? I think volunteering has been hugely valuable in graining skill sets that help an organization. So we talked a bit about like my career path is really focused on, for the most part, was on project management uh, skills when it comes to coordination, analysis, understanding what it takes to get from point A to point B, A1, A2, A3, all those little bitty pieces. A lot of that I was starting to do when I was volunteering long before I made it a career. And it's not so much something that I learned in school, but it was just the nature of, okay, we need to, we need to plan a trip. How are we going to plan how we get to there? How are we going to plan the budgets? How much are we going to spend? What's the timing of this? Are there any risks associated if, you know, a tornado hits or something? One of the things I do when I was talking about my career or training junior staff members, I'd always mention is think of what you're doing in terms of how it compares to things like your volunteering or your own personal life. You make budgets for yourself. And I found with volunteering is a really good way of getting experience you can put on a resume and to help justify that you can do the job. Sometimes you're looking to bridge your a gap in your skill set and you're like, I can't get a job or I can't get to do this in my professional life until I have the skills, that whole catch 21, two years of experience for an entry-level job. Volunteering is a great bridge for that. And Personally, I, it just makes me feel good. I love getting out into society, meeting other people, being able to help make, make my community a better place or make the world a better place. I find it just that whole idea of being well-rounded. So I've always been a huge purveyor of volunteering. It's got both uh, helps from a, a karmic point of view, I guess, but as well from an own selfish way of utilizing it. It's a fantastic tool for ind- Individuals trying to build their career, build their uh, skill sets. Great skill builder, yes. And uh, it reminded me a bit of when we were talking about uh, an arts degree, for example, as something where you're developing a lot of skills that you can apply in a multitude of ways. Volunteering likely works the same way. Exactly. Plus, you get I to think, meet people. Exactly. And uh, I'm sure this comes as a shock to you, but I'm a little bit of an extrovert. <laughs> trying to love people and collecting their stories. Just like talking. I am not shocked. I am shocked that there's a a spreadsheet lover who's also an extrovert. I think that's breaking (laughs) a stereotype right there. Oh, that's just because most uh, people lovers don't understand. You can spreadsheet people too. (laughs) That's fantastic. I'm also just kind of curious about um, where in your job, like where do you think you are headed? What sort of things do you um, see going forward in your future for your career? I guess when I look in the future for my career, I think it's really going to be leading in completely into all the corporate strategy and, the, and understanding the politics of corporate strategy. 
uh, as much as I can, because it's still something I'm learning, even though uh, it is my job now, it is something I'm still fairly new at experiencing, is how corporately decisions are made when you're balancing all different people coming from the different business lines and sectors and different needs. And we're a publicly traded company. So you have to consider the outside perspective as well as where the industry is moving. And I find just wrapping my head around all of that is really is really where my focus is going to be over the next couple of years. Uh, I'm also really excited to learn a bit more about integration between different companies because I've seen it sort of integrating on a project. You hire sub consultants and specialty firms for areas that your company might not be able to do, uh, or you have a partnership because you just don't have the, the resourcing. That's one way of integrating different groups, but also when you take it to more of a corporate scale, it explodes with all these kind of things you'd never think of, like how do you integrate corporate cultures? How do you integrate benefits programs? How do you keep people informed and keep communication from the top of the chain to the bottom of your uh, person who's brand new to the company working on a specific project out in a site? You, you want to sort of get that holistic experience, but it blows my mind sometimes when I think, how do you balance giving too much information or not enough information or the right kind of information when it takes so long? The love of bureaucracy, right? Everything <laughs> takes time to make its way through the different channels. And I find that's something that uh, really intrigues me right now, but I'll be the first to raise my hand and say, I definitely need to brush up on my skills in that level of uh, management. It does sound like a, puzzles to solve, like complex exactly. layer things. I can see why you would be you would be really fascinated by this and driven to solve it. So that's really cool. You know, you've had a, a career path that, it almost does seem like a straight line, even though, uh, you know, you, you had the, the six degrees or the, it ended up being just yeah. a double major, but you know what I mean? And then you went into a thing and then you pursued it down the road and it just seemed like one thing followed the next, followed the next, followed the next. What, what advice though, do you have for people who feel like they are stuck? Like they don't have that sort of like next thing coming up. I'd say that's a really good question. I've been very lucky to have uh, a lot of opportunities that really, stood out to me as I want that or ooh, that seems interesting. And then like a puppy with a stick, I just chased them. For, I guess for individuals who are feeling like they're stuck or they're not sure what the next thing is or where they go from here, I'd say a little bit of a threefold approach. I always recommend people go out and do their own research, uh, look around what other options there are, whether uh, completely outside of the career you're in. But a lot of people, I think aren't aware of the opportunities that are tangently related to the careers there and the roles they currently have. And you're missing out by not having conversations with the people you work with. And it's awkward. It is so awkward to ask someone, hey, can I ask you about your career path or things that you think are interesting? But it's one of those things where you got to lean into the awkward. One of the things I did actually when I first started out in my career would be asking various people in the office, whether they were other managers or seniors or just my colleagues, hey, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions. Do you mind if we can grab a coffee or grab a lunch? And I would literally ask them about, so this is what I'm doing right now, but I'm sort of curious, what else is there? What do you do? What are the things that you value from the people you work with? What are the skill sets or areas that you think are interesting? And getting their sort of feedback really helped broaden my spectrum of even what project controls could do. 
Because remember, I started my career in project controls really focused on a single mega project. The Northeast Anthony Hende was very big transportation focused project. And for the first bit of my career, all I really did were transportation jobs. And uh, I love transportation jobs. My roads and my bridges, guys, love them to pieces. But uh, I got bored. I'm like, okay, what else is there? And I started breaking out into projects that were in other disciplines. I did some environmental projects, some oil and gas projects, uh, did some tech sector and health and safety projects. And it helped sort of bring me to a broader horizon and get me unstuck while still leading into the skills that I'd already spent a bunch of time developing. Because I find a lot of the times when we're, we're feeling stuck, we don't know where to go. We're also a little bit afraid of moving beyond what we've spent all that time doing. The whole idea of that sunk cost fallacy. You don't want to feel like the things you've been doing to this date weren't worth it. It's, it's a lot of, I think, just looking around and saying, oh, right, what's half of what I'm doing now, half of what's completely new? What can I lean into that'll, that'll give me a little bit of freshness into this? And it doesn't need to be something completely different. There's no right way of getting unstuck. There's no not enough in getting unstuck. It's all about your own personal wants and needs. I've seen people do entire career shifts. One of my closest friends I actually met while working on a project, she's now a teacher. She did a complete career shift because she decided, you know what, I want something completely new. But I also know people that were feeling a little bit stuck and moved from working on major transportation projects to really focusing on environmental projects. And to them, that felt that that was their way of getting unstuck. I definitely think it needs to be something that you're really proactive and okay with being awkward with, but you got to have the conversations. One of the things is, I think a lot of people don't realize your managers, the people around you, a lot of times they want to help, but they don't know how to, they don't know you even want to have the conversation unless you let them know. And it's some of those things when you're talking to people, they might come up with something that triggers to you about something completely different or something exciting or they might say hey this is completely new I know you've never done it before but I know you're interested in trying something new do you want to maybe sit on a call do you want to maybe help me with this and this is how you can sort of use those those networks that you're building and enhance the networks even more to help you bridge that gap I think that's really great. And to your point about those awkward conversations, just because we have talked about them so many times on these podcasts, and it seems to me pretty clear that most people want to help. That yes, 95 to 100% of people are fully willing to A, talk about themselves. People like to do that. Uh, and B... Case in point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and B, also share advice. If you ask people for advice, I think they really enjoy giving it. I, I think everybody does it. So I know it is very hard, though, I think, especially if you're new to a job. But uh, I, I, do, I actually think there's not much harm in, in asking. I think you're right. I think that's great advice. Anyway, I think we'll move on to the lightning round. This is brought to you by TV. I feel like Shows. I'm getting ready for a quiz. Get ready for this quiz. It'll be tested. No, we don't. You just answered these questions off the top of your head. Sometimes you don't have an answer for these, so that's fine. Uh, the first one is, have you ever been fired? No. You know what? Not many people have. Most people we interview have never been fired. Uh, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? A dinosaur, a fireman, a teacher, a writer, uh, retired for a while there. So like six different iterations of what you wanted to do. Yeah. 
What's something that uh, that you wish people understood about your job, or what's like a misunderstanding about what you do? Honestly, I wish what people knew about my job was the definition of what I do. Because even when I was doing project controls, if I told people this is my title, they're like, "That's awesome! What is it?" And the thing is, I never had a good explanation of what I do. Well, if they play back this episode, I think they'll learn all they need to know. Um, there we go. If you weren't in this field at all, if you were in a completely different job, what do you think you'd be doing? If I wasn't in this field at all, I think I would probably be in something nonprofit, uh, behind the scenes in nonprofit, doing organization, uh, planning events or coordination. What is your favorite thing about your job? I think the favorite thing about my job is no two days are the same. And I never just have one priority. I get to do a little bit of everything. If you could go back in time and talk to yourself just after you graduated, what advice would you have for yourself? That it's going to be okay. And that not knowing what I wanted to do was not meaning I'm going to end up destitute in the gutter somewhere, utterly lost, and that I've wasted four years of my life. I had a really big depressive episode when I graduated and realized the things I've been planning for the last year, nope, not at all. And not really knowing what the next step was. It was was not fun. It's a hard time. Uh, Lastly, in respect to your education or your career path, is there anything that you wish you had done? See, this is a tricky one. On one hand, I think looking at what I do now, maybe it would have made more sense to go into business. But then I look at, I ended up where I am with my arts degree, with the education and the schooling and the experience that I've had to date, and I'm happy. So I think while a business degree wouldn't have hurt me in the past, I'm happy with the decisions I made. I don't think I changed them. Well, I'm happy that you joined us on this episode. It's been really great talking to you. Thank you for sharing your advice and your career journey. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of What the Job, and a special thanks to our guest Pooja Happy for taking the time to talk to us about her career. And as always, a reminder that the best place for alumni to connect with other alumni about jobs, mentorship, or volunteer opportunities is the online platform Switchboard. It's free, and you can try it out today at uab.ca slash sport. It's a great tool no matter where you are in your career journey. That's all for this episode. For What the Job, I'm Matt Ray. See you next time.